0: I figured if I was going to have to preach uh, for Pastor Matt, I, you know, it's pretty big shoes to fill. So I thought I'd ask him if I could borrow his coat. It's a little oversized. And I was thinking about putting these tugboats on, but uh, um, looked like water skis to me rather than, rather than shoes. So uh, this morning as we Um, look at what we have for Scripture. We're going to play a little catch-up, but probably a little more teaching at first than preaching for sure. And we'll see how the Holy Spirit moves in regards to preaching. Uh, But we've got some good stuff that we want to share with you. Um, I also want to tell you that um, this is the first time in a long time that I've handwritten out my sermon. Um, And so you'll see all sorts of Crazy, you won't see them. But I got all sorts of these pages back here, and and part of the reason why I hand wrote them out is because uh, my glasses are back there. But I, I can't. It's hard for me to stand here. I want to preach like this, but my eyes are getting bad enough that I can't see. I gotta have to get them jumbo letters or whatever or whatever on here because I'm struggling out. So uh, stay with me. Um, I pray that this is a, an honoring time for the Lord and for you this morning too. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Matt uh, preached a sermon out of Matthew in regards to the parable of the, the vineyard um, and the, um, the tenants that were there, the Israelite or the nation of Israel. Uh, he sent his helpers or he said his... Uh, people to go in there, the prophets, to tell them about what was going on. And we saw that as he did that, um, the tenants there uh, killed or beat up and killed, uh, stoned actually um, the prophets, the people that represented the servants that represented the, the prophets, until finally he sent his son, Jesus, uh, or the representation of Jesus, to, in this parable, uh, to talk to them. And in the process of talking to them, they had in their mind, hey, uh, if we uh, get rid of this one, we'll inherit that. But um, God says no. God says, you know what, I'm going to set up a, a new people, new tenants in my uh, kingdom. And so he set a time for the church and for new tenants. And he, and he wanted us to be as tenants in this new church, in this church, He want, or in this new Um, generation of his he wants us to be faithful tenants he wants us to be harvesters that was our plan his plan is for us to be harvesters uh, while we're awaiting him so i thought i'd bring us up to something real quick just to to tell you that god has has called us ordained us uh, to be harvesters for his kingdom to bring him glory to to find his faithful tenants and i wanted to just go back and see a little bit in time Uh, the kids in my sunday school class They get tired of me bringing this up, but I can hardly teach a lesson in Scripture without utilizing this scenario here. Um, The Old Testament is identified back here. This is across the course. Israel had possession of the vineyard back here. These were God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. Uh, We refer in Daniel talking about the 69 weeks of Daniel. It's the last uh, portion of Scripture prior to the New Testament. Uh, uh, there's a period in there, and I don't want to confuse you, but there's 940, 900, excuse me, 490 years right here uh, where God tried to get, he, he reconciled with Israel. And then there was a period where there's no talk uh, with Israel. And that was called the quiet time. And from the last prophet to the old, the last Old Testament prophet is uh, John the Baptist. And he brought message to John the Baptist to say, hey, I'm sending the Messiah. You know, the whole story there. John the Baptist recognized the fact that he uh, was not even worthy to handle the sandals of Jesus. He was a forerunner for Jesus. Uh, The nation of Israel, the old tenants couldn't handle that. They just could not handle that Jesus was the Messiah that they've been preached about, taught about. And so we know what happened here. Uh, at the cross. Jesus suffered, died, uh, buried, resurrected again, and that's what started the church age. That's what this is right here. Today we're going to talk about uh, the Jerusalem Council. It's it's about uh, 20 years, 15, 20 years. People try to figure out exactly when uh, this is as far as, but around AD, uh, 48 to 50 is when this portion of Scripture that we talk about today will be here. We are living in this period right now, the church age. Some 2,000-some years, we have been and are part of a church where God has set us up as the tenants of this well, on earth, and then later we'll see the new heavens and earth over here. But what, take, what happens is not to, Israel is not done yet. God's not done with Israel, and He said that in Scripture. He will call Israel back. And that, that 70th week of Daniel is this right here. It's during this, uh, it's right now, it's time out Israel, time in church age. Those of us Gentiles and believing Jews, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But then all of a sudden, what, what, what we believe in this church is, and it could be, we believe that we are going to be raptured out. The church will be raptured out prior to the tribulation. Now, if some, there's people that will argue no, I think it's mid trib, and I think it's post trib. I don't think any of us will get really out of sorts if you think it's mid-trib. And it will probably be a little more hard to get along with if it's post-trib. That's going to be a little harder one to swallow for us. But right now, the uh, the truth of the matter is, is that one day there will be a trumpet sound and God, Jesus, will come in the air and he will shout and he wants his church will be raised. Those dead in Christ will rise. Those alive in Christ will rise and we'll meet Jesus in the air. And that's what we're looking forward to. I'd be okay if it happened today. I really would. Lord, if you want to bring it today, I'm okay. If you want to wait until I'm done preaching, I'd be okay too. But Actually, if you want to do it now, you can do it now. But anyway, there's there's a whole lot of things that lead up to that point. We get get taken up. Here's what happens. We as believers, and this is something that we deal with every day. I want you to know that. Uh, What are we going to be judged for at this judgment seat of Christ? It won't be our sin because our sin is dealt with on the cross. It's not our sin. It's our works. Our good and bad works will be dealt with right here. So when we function today, uh, we'll see that today. When God says, what do I want you to do during this period of time? We call the church age while you're here on earth being tenants. Now, I want you to do. We're, we're, not, we're saved by grace through faith. But in verse 10 of Ephesians uh, tells us that, that that we are saved to do good works, and we'll talk about that. But we'll, our works will be judged right here. That's a whole other sermon or two or three. But during the period of, of uh, uh, tribulation period, we'll be with him here. At the end of the tribulation period, we believe, or scripture scripture teaches that there'll be what they call a marriage feast of the Lamb. That's when God uh, receives His bride, we the church, the marriage feast of the Lamb, and there will be. He'll uh, will have that marriage feast, and then we will. Jesus will return with His church, with us, to rule and reign for this thousand years. During that period of time, Satan will be locked up. We'll be ruling and reigning with Christ here, uh, and then tell this. Then it actually Armageddon takes place. There's a whole lot of things I'm leaving out, but Armageddon takes place right here. The uh, new Old Testament saints and the new uh, the tribulation believers. Those that come to know Christ as Savior will be resurrected here. They'll go through it with us too. Um, but our, what for us, those of us here today, we'll be with Jesus Christ serving with Him and reigning with Him during this thousand-year reign. And at the end of that thousand-year reign, the uh, Satan will be released. There will be tremendous, crazy wars going on and all sorts of stuff. The devil will be defeated. He will be cast into the lake of fire. There will be a bodily resurrection of the unbelievers. All people that doesn't, everybody from beginning of time to that moment right there, those that did not trust Christ as Savior will be judged at the great white throne judgment. Their name will be found, not written in the the Lamb's book of life. And those people will be destined to hell forever. So, our goal today And we'll talk about here. We'll get to it here. We on the church end. I think our goal is not only do we want to live a life that is pleasing to him, not because we deserve it, not because we're doing all the right things, but because what he did, like I prayed earlier today, God chose to draw us out. He, scripture tells us that he chose us to be a part of his kingdom. And so why do we want to be, uh, why do we want to be pleasing? Why do we want to honor what he says? Because if we honor him, He not only will honor us here, but then what another motivation that we have, we should be beacons. We should be lighthouses. We should be the voice pieces for Him here on earth so that we can uh, draw people to this point of judgment rather than just forget about telling people about Jesus and they don't come to know Christ as Savior and they end up at this judgment because their name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So this morning... I hope this. if this, there's multiple things that I want you, you can get rid of that now, uh, Seth, please. This morning, I hope that your motivation is, I want to be pleasing in God's sight, not because I earned it. It's because <laughs> of what he did for us, what he did for you and I. And that what we can do for others to keep them, potentially, by being the voice piece for him, by being the servant for him, keep uh, other people from experience, in experiencing that great white throne judgment. Let's pray. I just want to pray and then we'll get that started. I want to get that out of my system. And then we'll go. Lord, I just pray that uh, boy, I just want us to, to be those faithful servants that you've called. Give us a heart that uh, is motivated by love to you and love to others. To, to live on this earth, to be the tenants here and what you've given us uh, possession of, and what you've given us time management over to, to do your will while we're here. Let us learn something today about that, Lord. And Lord, just remind us that it's about your grace. <laughs> Nothing we can do to earn it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, at Just the end of, of Pastor Matt's uh, sermon the other day, in verse 43, it says But God told Israel that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, given to a nation, bearing uh, fruit of it. So we're, are, we're given to a nation, that's us, the church, and we are to bear fruit while we're here. While we're occupants here on earth. We are to bear fruit. We, the New Testament believers, are in charge of this vineyard here on earth. Um, I think what I want to do is, for time reasons, I just want to. I want to, I want to just tell that God ultimately called us to be, take care of His vineyard, and I want this morning that there be no confusion that it is. It's always in our lives. It's always going to be grace versus works. It Seems like all the decisions that that come our way when you think about. Uh, why? Are, what's our motivation? It ought to be grace that motivates us. Uh, we, it, the grace uh, should be, it's not, and you'll see, and, I, and I'll show you multiple places today, that uh, the old vineyard or vine keepers or, or vineyard keepers were all about the law. And you'll see today that <laughs> they couldn't keep the law. We were here on Wednesday night, and Pastor Matt was talking about a specific uh, that's the point of scripture. And he says, if you're guilty of breaking uh, one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking. And he stopped. And some little girl over here, and I know who it was, she says, you're guilty of breaking the whole law. So if you broke, I mean, it was just loud and screamed it. And praise the Lord, she knew that. And uh, um, and I just pray that we'd understand that too. We can't, we, if we're, we'll we never live up to and be able to manage the law. Can't. And so this morning, I just pray that... Um, that we would see Jesus as the Messiah, like unlike the other people did. All right, uh, Seth, pull this up again. I want to show you something real quick. As tenants, as tenants uh, uh, on this earth, I kind of want to give you, can you make that a little bit bigger so they can read that? Uh, as tenants of this earth, I want to kind of give you a, a quick up view or a quick view of, of what trouble that they've had with the nation of Israel. Uh, that is how it's recorded in chapter uh, chapters one through chapter fourteen. We'll just read. It. I'm just going to read this because I thought if I talked through this, it would take too long and I wouldn't get to what I needed to say. Um, you'll see that it chapter these one through fourteen shows you uh, how upset or offended the nation of Israel was from being removed from the vineyard and, and replaced by a new nation, a new tenant. That's us, the church. Forty days after the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus told uh, the apostles in Matthew 28, I have been given authority from the landlord, God the Father himself, to send out apostles. And that's exactly what he did. He said to make disciples or new tenants of all nations, baptizing them, instructing them how to walk as disciples. And he promised the apostles he, Jesus, would be there with them. In the early church, there was lots of opposition, and that's we'll see that. I mean, there was opposition. You'll just see it recorded throughout this whole message. In the early church, there was lots of opposition. The Jewish leaders didn't want to give up their vineyard. They were going to make it hard on the apostles as they started the church. So here's what we see. They were told from the very beginning, don't leave Jerusalem yet. God had a plan for them. Jesus had a plan for them there. I will send you a helper. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, Matthias was uh, replaced Judas as one of the twelve. Pentecost came. The Holy Spirit comes. Some of the Jews were cut to the heart. They heard the message. They were cut to the heart. And they asked, what shall we do? And they were told, repent or change your minds about Jesus. Recognize Him as Messiah. According to Scripture, at that time, 3,000 people came to know Christ as Savior. And then after that, it said in Scripture, the Lord added daily to the number. After Pentecost, we see Peter and John, the apostles, they perform miracles, they preach Jesus, Jewish leaders raised, raised up against them and he had them arrested. But we see right further after that, we see the Jewish, excuse me, 5,000 men, and it doesn't say how many women or children were there. So it could be a possibility of 10 or maybe 12,000 people. We don't know, but at least five, we know 5,000 men heard, believed, and it were added to the church. And this is just the first few days after, uh, uh, well, 40 days, uh, Jesus was here on earth. And on the 40th day, he came and met with the disciples, gave them that commission. And not shortly after this, things were happening. Pentecost took place. And we see down there, Jewish leaders continued to push back. Further signs and wonders by the apostles, empowering the church. More added to the church, the apostles were arrested. I just tried to, Bunches together. The word of God spread according to scripture. A great number. This is, I thought this was cool. Uh, there's one portion of scripture that says it didn't talk about, uh, a specific, it talked about specific Jewish people. A great number of priests believed at one point. Deacons were appointed. We saw that when they said, hey, we ought not to be tending tables. We ought not to be doing this. The elder said that of the church in Jerusalem. They said we need to appoint deacons. So they appointed deacons. And Stephen was one of those deacons. Stephen also was a, uh, at least gifted by God. He preached a sermon equivalent to Peter's. And when he did that, the Jewish people didn't like it, and they killed him. Guess who was standing out there holding the coats of the boys that killed him? It was Saul of Tarsus. So we go that Saul, uh, then, he was, then he got further wound up and further excited. Saul caused lots of trouble with the new tenants. And the church scatters. So they were told to stay in Jerusalem. Then Stephen's martyred. The, the church scatters. And you know what, what they chose to cause as the problem? Guess what? Jesus ca- caused it as something to improve the church. Because now they weren't just stuck in Jerusalem. Now they opened up the gospel to the other nations, other places. And so the church scatters. Philip leads the unique or eunuch to Christ and at the end of the thing he goes. the eunuch the goes now I want to say he was reading scripture so uh, he, he probably a Jewish eunuch um, but he said he was reading scripture and he didn't quite understand it he asked uh, Philip to get He, by the way Philip was a, a deacon too so if you're deacons I'm telling you that's, that's pretty good stuff you can preach so I think the next time Pastor Matt's gone one well, of the deacons has to preach what do you say about that let's do that here we go um, Philip leads uh, the eunuch, and he says, what do I got to do? And they told him, he says, well, I believe. And he was baptized. He says, what What would cause me not to be baptized? Nothing. Let's find some water. (laughs) Baptized. Damascus Road Experience for Saul took place shortly after that. Paul begins to preach Christ. Uh, The Jews now, hey, here's here's one of the old tenants that now becomes a new tenant. Uh, he, he becomes a trust Christ's Savior on the road to Damascus. And, and uh, he, they're going to kill him. Hey, they, wait a minute. One, not one of the old boys, you know, the Jew of all Jews, the Pharisee of all Pharisees. Now all of a sudden, he's one of these Jesus-loving, following dudes. Let's kill him. Uh, Saul escapes. I think they let him down in a basket. Um, up to this point, primarily Jews, the previous tents were being saved. Chapter 10. I like to call him Corny, but let's call him Cornelius. his real name. Cornelius, the centurion, receives a vision. He was a devout man. He was a Gentile. Peter and Cornelius meet. That's a whole other story. What's cool about Peter at that time right there, Peter, was a he was a Jew too, a devout Jew too. And guess where they found, guess where Peter was hanging out uh, when uh, God called him and gave him a vision? He was at the, the house of the tanner. You know what a tanner does? They skin animals. Jews don't hang around skinned animals but his heart had been changed and he was hanging out with the tanner he had a vision too peter finds and tells cornelius that god shows no favoritism that the nation of uh, the, the gentiles are open now to be god's children peter tells cornelius whoever believes in jesus will receive remission of sins cornelius believes him and his whole household the holy spirit is poured out on the gentiles he is baptized chapter 11 peter says if god gave the gentiles the same gift The Holy Spirit, as us, then excuse me, when they believed, why am I to not obey Jesus and not offer it to the Gentiles? That's Peter because Peter's mission was out to the uh, Jews, nation of Israel. He said, "Well, I need to offer it. it. I need to offer it to the Gentiles." Verse eighteen. Then God also granted the Gentiles repentance of life. In Scripture, it says that salvation. Wow, He's been so. Now all of a sudden the, the It's changed. We see this this gradual transformation where it was preached initially to the Jews. Then we'll see it when Paul gets in here, when Saul turns to Paul, you'll see that he goes out to um, initially to the Jews as well. But he says, Peter recognizes, whoa, uh, uh, it's been granted to the Gentiles salvation. Oh, I put this in here just for fun. Make sure you're awake. Herod harassed the church. And you know why he did it? Because he saw that it pleases the Jews. Uh, James, the brother of John, the two sons of thunder, he killed James. They were locked up in prison, both him and Peter. I don't know, here's something to think about. Peter and James were were in prison together, or they assumed that they were together. For some reason, uh, Herod draws James out and kills him, and yet Peter, God had another plan for Peter, of course. But what the deal is, is the same church we're praying for Peter and James, saying, say, "Lord, get them out of this trouble they're in with this in jail." And for some reason, God's sovereign sovereignty, He allowed James, the brother John, to be killed, and yet he, he, at the same time, freed Peter. There's a whole other story about that. Peter got broke out. That's when the jailer came to him and said, "You know, he was going to commit suicide and da 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 and all that stuff." But uh, he's freed. He went to the house. Can't remember who it was. There's a lady that answered the door and didn't even believe it was Peter. It was, she was from a church. And no, the other guys inside the church tried to tell him, uh, or inside the house tried to say, it's the spirit of Peter. It's not Peter himself. They all came out and realized it was Peter. God had miraculously uh, got Peter out of, of jail. Here's the part that I told you to wake you up a little bit. Herod gets eaten by worms. Just want to put that in there because uh, he was a bad, bad Leroy Brown kind of guy. And, uh, and Herod... <laughs> And Jesus had, or I mean, God had something to do, and, they, and, he, and he ate him up by worms. Okay, Barnabas and Saul, along with John Mark, they took off on their first missionary journey, uh, first to the Jews, into the synagogues, and then preaching Jesus. I promise, I'm about done. Uh, chapter 13 of, of Acts, we see in verse 39 Everyone who believes is justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Verse 46 and 13 says, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It is necessary for the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you rejected, talking about the old tenets, talking about the nation of Israel, rejected, uh, since you rejected it, you judge for yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Behold, I turn to the Gentiles. Chapter 14 says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds, against the brethren. See, the Jews were so upset that, and this took place in, I think, Iconium, I think. Uh, the Jews were so upset that they, uh, get, they stirred up the Gentiles even. They even went and got other people ex- uh, wound up about this and poisoned their minds against the church. I want to tell you today that happens too. There's people today in our lives where people don't like what's going on in the church, and it's not unusual to see people Uh, stir up other people against the church. and It doesn't happen as much in Imperial City, Nebraska, but it does happen around the world. We see it everywhere. Okay, then in verse 19, having persuaded the multitudes, uh, they stoned Paul, drug him out of the city, and supposing him was dead. They took Paul out because he was doing too many good things and causing uh, the nation of Israel uh, grief, and the old tenants couldn't, just couldn't handle the fact that the new Israel, that, that the Gentiles were the new people of God. It said in verse 20, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose and went into the city. Uh, There's scripture to support: was he dead or was he just almost dead? Paul says himself, I don't know. I don't know if I was dead or alive. But anyway, uh, miraculously raised him from the dead or raised him from near death, one of the two. In verse 27 of 14, it says, And when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported that God had done uh, what that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. That's that's where we come into today. Oh, that's not. Don't put that up there. That's at the end. There we go. Um, that gets us to today's chapter. That was a little bit of a, a lot of bit of preparation, but I wanted you to have it all, and so I just want to start out today in this portion here. Um, it's hard. I wrote down commission to O'Colz Nancy. It's, it's hard for us to, when we look at something where it's um, grace uh, versus the law, it's, it's, it's easy for us, all of us, uh, to want to be pleasing to our Father. Uh, And sometimes we're motivated to, um, at least our earthly fathers, we're motivated to do things to make him happy. Um, And so we have a hard time with this whole thing about works, uh, legalism. Oh, yeah, I do this because. um, No, you do this because, you know, it's not because it's going to get me saved. Uh, The reason why I wrote down commission um, at Colson Agency. That sounds like a commercial. Okay, where Derek, I'll say Derek. It, 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 we sell things, and when we do better for the people we work for, we get a higher wage. You, you see what I'm saying? That's and so it's in our line of work. There's there's a there's a, a motivation for us to that's, uh challenges us to do better for the people we work for. God doesn't give us motivation like that. He gives us grace, and he says you don't have to do anything except. Believe in what Jesus Christ did for you, for the re, uh, remission of sins. And your sins will be forgiven if you place your faith in Jesus Christ. That, that whole works thing is something I want you to do, but it's not something that you're going to benefit from as far as uh, to make you, me love you more. And so that, they were having a hard time with that. And so as we go into, and I want to say something, I wrote Satan's name down here too. Satan loves to trip us up. Satan, when we get to chapter 15, and I promise it's coming. Hey, Seth, would you put, put up uh, chapter 15? Uh, Satan chose to work through, and the people that uh, that came, and we'll see here, um, to stir up trouble. Uh, he, he does not like grace. Satan does not like the concept of, uh, in faith alone, or in Christ uh, Faith alone in Christ alone. He wants it. He wants you to think you need to you earn it. And so Satan was in the middle of this thing right here. I promise you that. Salvation is a gift. All right. If you would, let's start here. In verse 15 it says, "A certain man, or excuse me, certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren. Unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved." So here's some people that came. The old tenants came to the new tenants and said, hey, we want to mix this up. You're doing this all wrong. You've got to be circumcised. Uh, you've got to part of the customs of Moses. You have to uh, it's 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 faith plus obeying the law or you can't be saved. That's why it's important. You we need we teach. Hey, I want to tell you something else. It's, it's funny. Um, the other day I heard a sermon. Excuse me. I heard about a sermon that someone Uh, said that they listed three churches, uh, one in Imperial, one in Grant, and one in Ogallala, that says those three churches teach from the Word of God. And praise the Lord, it was our church that was the example in Imperial, Nebraska. So praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for the elders that hold the pastor accountable. Praise the Lord for a pastor that that has a desire to just do that, teach from the Word of God. So anyway, these guys showed up Uh, And and they they were false teachers and false teachers came in and they came into Judea and they taught the brethren so which means they taught they came into the churches now where they're at is is Antioch I want to make sure this after the after the uh, first missionary journey uh, Paul and Barnabas went back to Antioch they went there and they were they established a church there before and they were hanging out it says for many years or, or for a long while it said so they've been hanging out there, growing the church in Antioch. And then all of a sudden, these false teachers show up uh, from Judea. They, they tried to say they're from Ju- Jerusalem. We go back another scripture. I believe it's in, in Galatians. It teaches that these false teachers came in. And they, that's when we find out they were, they were really not sent by uh, the Jerusalem church. And they taught to the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas caught wind of that and said, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not right. Looks what happens if they do in verse uh, 2. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension or dispute amongst them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go to Jerusalem to the apostles, the elders, about this question. A couple things here. Paul and Barnabas, it's funny how Scripture writes that, had no or had no small discussion. What they could have said in English was is they had a... They had a tremendous argument about this. They really had a rip-snorting time over this whole uh, thing. It, was, it brought a, a turmoil within the leadership of that. Not that they were opposed to it, but they had a discussion and a dispute with them. If, I'll say this. If someone comes in here to teach in our church, they're not going to have, and if they're teaching false doctrine, I promise you this. Pastor Matt and the elders are going to, whoa, 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 whoa. And there will be no small dissension in dispute with them. I promise you that. The, the brothers will do that. And since they, see the they up there says in verse 2, it says they determined that Paul and Barnabas, they was the church. That'd be like us. They, they, had a, they went to the church. They tried to teach this stuff. The, the leaders of the church says, no, no, no. Uh, they disputed them. And then the church determined That Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go to Jerusalem. Certain others, excuse me, they, the church, determined Paul and Barnabas, the leaders of the church, and others. I like the reason, the fact that they took others. They took witnesses with them. Certain others. They just didn't. So if it was, let's pretend it's Dennis, not pretend he's he's an elder, not, not an active elder, but he's an elder of the church. And if Dennis saw, and wanted to be a part of that, he could go as, a, as if we needed to go someplace. He would go as a witness. We would want somebody qualified like Dennis to go with, if we needed to go someplace, uh, with Max and the boys, uh, elders, to go uh, to wherever they needed to go to find wisdom on a dispute. And the, uh, they, These guys went down to the headquarters where the church was in Jerusalem to the elders and the apostles about this question. The apostles, of course, were uh, part of the twelve. Uh, actually, uh, uh, part of the others were Titus, we find out, was part of, uh, part of this group. And then when they went down to the apostles, the elders of uh, the church, the main church down in Jerusalem. Verse 3. So being sent on their way by the church, uh, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy to all the brethren. You know what, when you when when they now I've got to go back up there, where it says a certain men went down. Jerusalem is high elevation, went down to Antioch, which is lower elevation, and then they went from Antioch, which is north of, went back to Jerusalem. They went through those two regions right there and where the church had already been established in that place, and they uh told them about the conversion of the Gentiles, which they too were Gentiles that were saved and caused great joy to all the brethren. Isn't that amazing? Uh, grace, when it's preached, brings joy. Legalism brings strife. But when these brothers went down there, they told them about the Gentiles becoming a part of the church, becoming the new tenants in this. They uh, produced great joy. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church. And the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. Kind of in a private meeting, they got together with them, and they said, uh, they reported all things to God, what had been going on. And and that's all the stuff that went on in the first missionary journey, as well as all the stuff that, that, that had been brought to them about, you have to obey the laws of Moses. Verse 5, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. Okay, here it is. You see that right there in verse 5? And some of the sect of the Pharisees, uh oh. They had believed, they were part of the church. Whoo, what? Those brothers right there who had believed, they were they were within the church, and they were causing problems within the church. They were trying to add legalism to grace within the church. And yet, they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't stand that. When they heard that, they go, yeah, that's right. So they uh, went and caused a problem. They rose up. And so, boy, then things really got interesting. They said, it is necessary to circumcise and commanded them to keep the law of Moses. Go ahead and go up a little bit. 7 We'll go to verse 6. Verse 6, now the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. Now, what? Uh, some of the commentaries that I studied, uh, the first setting and the first five verses when they get into uh, verse 4 and 5 when they bring the report down to them, they brought down there that said that was kind of a private session. I could go to uh, Galatians 2, I believe. I believe, yes, Galatians chapter 2, and Paul talks about it 14 years earlier and tells the whole scenario there uh, where it made it sound like that first dissension was in a small group. But now we see in verse 6, the apostles and the elders came together to consider the matter. And when, they, and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. He's talking about his time when he was with Cornelius. He's talking about the time when he shared it with other people and other Gentiles believed. He was a a, a gospel, excuse me, he was a a disciple that brought the news primarily to the Jews. But yet he saw through his own mouth and he was a Jew of Jew as well that the Holy Spirit, verse 5, God knows, excuse me, um, that by the my mouth Gentiles should hear the word of God and believe. He saw the Holy Spirit being poured out upon the nation of Israel. He told that to everybody in the church. He told that to the elders. He told that to these believing Jews. What are you talking about? I saw this happen. It's by grace. So in verse 8, it says, So God who knows the heart acknowledges them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us. Two things about verse 8 that I want to point out. So God, who knows the heart. You know, I want to make sure you understand this. God knows your heart. You know, and some people say, ah, that's good. Mm, I'm here to tell you, that's gonna be a good thing, it could be a bad thing. Because if you are a, a believer here, and you are uh, and you sin and justify your sin, well, I'm going to tell you, God knows your heart. He knows your heart. If you're a believer and you're living in sin, God knows your heart. People say, "Oh, God knows my heart." Yeah, that that can be a double-edged sword because God really knows your heart. There's no doubt about it. And for the person that that goes and does his best to do the will of God and then doesn't things quite don't quite. Uh, very well, maybe um, if you set out to do something according to what you pray for God's will and it doesn't turn out the way it is, God knows that you did it with the right motivation if you did it with the right motivation. So that I think it's important that you understand that God knows your heart. But he says this, he said uh, in, in verse 8, he said, God knows your heart, acknowledging them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. So he saw in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. He saw that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the the, the Gentiles, and he says, I, "I can't. I see no distinction between us and them." In verse nine, purifying their hearts by faith, he ignores the fact that it is in Christ alone by faith alone. That's what it is. It's no works. Uh, it's no works. Verse ten. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers uh, nor we were able to bear. So he says, stop trying to add works, stop trying to add legalism to grace. They had to clarify this. Stop doing that. Why are you testing God? Don't do that. It was kind of a rebuke to them that were there. Verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Here, there's a little twist on words. Normally Jewish people, previous tenants, would say, hey, they should be saved like us. Peter twists that around and says, whoa, wait a minute. We're the ones that are stuck on this legalism stuff. We're the ones that get hung up on trying to follow the law. We should be thankful that Christ will save us in the same way He saved them. Understanding that it's by grace alone, by faith alone, grace. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we Jewish people should be saved the same way as they, the Gentile people. That that brought shock to that group. They go, whoa, what's going on here? Verse 12. "When When all the multitudes kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Again, he repeated what would have gone there. Verse 13. And after they had become silent, Here, now James speaks up. Paul and Barnabas speak up earlier. Excuse me, Peter speaks up. Paul and Barnabas already spoke up. Now James. um, James here is the brother of Jesus. Half-brother. Same mom, different dads. Figure that one out. There it is. Same mom, different dads. James, the half-brother of Jesus, answers saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. He, He was a pillar in the church. He was um, some want to elevate him to higher than they ought to, but he was a leader in the church, and James was stood up finally after sitting uh, still and listening to the whole thing. He says, Men and brethren, listen to me. He says, Pay attention. Pay attention to what I gotta say. And he says this Simon was declared, Peter was declared how God or has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take them out. Uh, uh, take them out of a people before his name. With and with the this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it's written. So go up just a little bit. There. there you go right there. He said, he says, I acknowledge what Simon, uh, what Peter had just said. And he declared that God first visited the Gentiles with his own eyes. We've got to believe what Peter had said. He took them out. Um, the word take out is something like um uh, chosen. You ever been on you ever been on a, a side or where you're choosing up sides? You're in, a, you're in a group, and then all of a sudden somebody stands up front and you say, I'll take you. You're taken out of the group. Um, that's what he did with the nation of Israel. Excuse me. That's what he did with Gentiles. He with us. He chose us. He took us out. He called us and brought us into the vineyard. Brought us into his family. He says he take, he take them out as a people for his name. We are now a name, a people for him. And 15, and by the words, the prophets agree. The only thing I want to say to you about this, this, um, boy, I just lost the, I, lost, I, I, I promise, it starts with an A. I'll tell you who the prophet is in just a minute. I think it's Amos, but I could be wrong. I, I, I Anyway, there's a, one of the prophets, this was he prophesized, And he said this, uh, by the words, and he, but he said the prophets, plural. You need to understand it's just not the one prophet that tested that that uh, uh, prophesies this. Other prophets agree that after this I will return. I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. You know what that portion is? That's during, and I believe it's Amos, that is during the uh, thousand year reign of Christ. That's when the tabernacle of David will be... Uh, resurrected and rebuilt verse 17 so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord Uh, even all the Gentiles who are called by name by my name saying that the Lord who does all these things Gentiles who are called by name this this is a, a, a prophecy in reference to Gentiles ruling and reigning like I showed you at the beginning of that chart Gentiles ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ during the thousand year reign the prophets agree multiple prophets agree verse 18 we're almost done Seven minutes. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble these among the Gentiles who are turning to God. So he says, stop causing problems with these believers, the Gentiles uh, that are turning to God, but that we write to them. And he lists what he wrote here isn't as important. The concept is this, but this is what he wrote that we write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols from sexual immorality, from the things that are strangled and from blood. For Moses had uh, throughout many generations, those who preach in him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. What he's saying right here in regards to <clears throat> the polluted idols, it says one thing about by grace is, is that we have freedoms to do some things. Remember, that early church was made up of a lot of Jewish people. And Jews were the Jewish people would find great offense, and they did. We see it in Scripture where the, the meat sacrificed to idols they found great offense uh, when people would do that. They were they had the right, the permission, the Gentiles to eat that sacrificed meat, but because it offended them, he's telling them don't do that. Same thing goes to the strangled the things that strangled, and even today Scripture tells us. Probably ought to not things that are strangled we ought to leave alone and then from blood the one thing he kept in there that is pertinent for today and we'll see in just a minute is sexual immorality that was huge in that day that was uh, a problem uh, all throughout the, the the known world sexual immorality what that boils down to is uh, uh, he says I judge therefore that we should uh, not trouble these among the Gentiles who are turning to God by grace but. Here's the things that we want them to do as far as the moral law. Morally, this is the way uh, we ought to live. And he says, don't do things that offend uh, the the Jewish people or other people and abstain from uh, immorality or sexual immorality. Okay. Go to the, um, the last page, if you would, Seth. Today's application. I just... As he, as he was going through all of this, not only did Peter, not only did Barnabas, uh, not only did Paul, not only did finally we see from James that we're not going to uh, strap on legalism to uh, grace. So today we look as tenants here and as, as God chosen uh, harvesters, we are to be out. The field is white. And we are to go out and we are to be the beacon or be the light of the world for Jesus. And so our job as harvesters is uh, uh, one of the things that we learned today is nothing can be added to the blood of Christ. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. This is our message that we are to live. This is our message that we are to teach. The second thing we learned today is that beware of false teachers. They can be in and outside of churches. We have to be careful when we invite people to come in and teach uh, in our churches, especially in our church here, but in the greater church. Be careful of that because there are there are wolves in sheep clothing coming in and want to cause problems. Verse number three: When or if you sense a troubling doctrine, doctrine, clarify that with godly men, pastors or elders. If we, if you see something, if you're, if you go to a Bible study and you hear something mm, that twists you. They'd say, whoa, what is that? Or if you hear something, uh, be careful. And if you, have a, if you hear a troubling doctrine, go talk to the, the godly man that you know, uh, Pastor elder here in this church. And then finally, our Father, who is our landlord, wants us, the tenant vine dressers, to live a godly life, to be imitators of the Son, Jesus, uh, to put off that which is ungodly and to, uh, to put on that which is uh, Christ's life. Seth, there's, there's one more on there real quick. There should be another, another one. Uh, if not, that's okay. Um, there it is right there. Okay, as tenets, the moral response to live by our sanctified lives. In Ephesians says this, here's some things that we should put off. You talk about how do I live? What do I do? Give me some ideas of what I'm supposed to do. In verse 22, these are the things that we're supposed to not do and get rid of. Concerning our former conduct, that was before we were saved, the old, uh, the old man which has grown corrupt, according to so get rid of that, according to his deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We are we are called out of the uh, out of the mire. We're called out of uh, our former lust. Now be renewed in the spirit. Now twenty five. Therefore, one of the things we can do is we're living uh, on this earth as harvesters for Him is to be put away with lying. Understand that. Uh, Telling the truth is important. Speaking the truth and declare that God's truth is the truth. You know what? If we rely on God's uh, law, if we rely, excuse me, if we rely on man's law uh, um, as our example or as our what we should put our faith into, um, we, we're in trouble. I, I have a couple examples. Abortion is one of them uh, that, that comes to my mind. We, they say, well, man's law so it must be okay. According to God's law, it's not. Uh, Marriage between uh, two men. Uh, Civic law, government law, man's law says it's good. It's okay between two men and two women. But uh, between God's law, it's not okay. So we need to put away things. We need to put away things that are lying. And that's one of the things we get lied to a lot. uh, And we need to not pass that on. Verse 26. uh, If your anger is not a righteous anger, do not let the sun go down on your wrath but give peace, or, nor give place to the devil. We'll talk about the righteous anger in a few minutes. Uh, then verse 28 said, let him who stole steal no longer. Um, that could be physically or it could be time. If you're at work, you want to be in a good example to your uh, employer. Um, if you're getting paid a wage and you're supposed to be working, don't be on your cell phone playing whatever you're playing. Or don't be on doing whatever. Steal no longer. These are trying to be examples to, to an ungodly world. Uh, 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. These are things that if we, live in, we live in a godly, an ungodly world. These are things that we could be doing to, to be beacons or lights to the world. Put those things, get rid of those things. Here's some things we put on. verse 24, it says that you put on the new man, which was created, uh, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So try to live a righteous and holy life. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. That's a righteous anger. If you see something that is wrong, uh, that is ungodly. Uh, excuse me. That is, uh, got to be careful. It's ungodly because you don't want to be the sinful. I'm not saying that. Don't be sinful. But if you see something that's out of sort, you should uh, figure out a way to approach that scenario in a godly, loving manner and say, this isn't right. Okay? Verse 28. But rather let him labor, as talking about stealing, working with his hands, that is good that he may have something to give to him who is in need, uh, whether that's financially or that's with your time, uh, verse 29, let edifying words proceed out of your mouth, that which is necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And, and finally, you get down to the end of this right here. And be kind to one another. You want the, you want the, un, you want the unchurched to see you as the church? If we're bickering back and forth with one another, they're, they're not seeing Jesus followers. They're, they're having a hard time seeing that. We need to be kind to one another. We need to be tender-hearted, be compassionate to one another. We need to forgive one another, even as Christ, uh, even as God and Christ forgave you. Keep that thought in mind. In Ephesians fifteen, it says, "Therefore, one way that we can live uh, morally, in front of uh, that has nothing to do with legalism. We are to be called imitators, or be imitators of God, dear children, tenants of the vine- uh, vineyard." In verse eight it says, "We are once darkness, but now we are uh, the light of the Lord." Walk as children of light, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Man, if there's... Okay, stop right now real quick and it's time to go and, and, and I'm sorry I went over. But that little, last little part right there, it is hard for us. We live in a world with computers, with all sorts of technology, with all sorts of things that brings darkness into our homes into our workplaces, into our stinking cell phones that we carry on our hip. Have no fellowship with those things. I'm telling you, that old concept, of if your eye caused you to sin, pluck it out. I'm, I, someday I want to smash my cell phone. Someday I want to smash a computer. I'd like to go back to where we didn't have those things because those things cause us to sin. Some of us. If you are here today... I'll wrap it up. I don't even think we're going to sing. We're we're just going to, I'll let you go. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, I pray this morning is the day that you would recognize that it's grace that that gets you in a position to be with God and Jesus for eternity. Don't let the devil confuse you uh, with an idea that you have to do these, you, you have to do these things to get better you have to do these things to please God I have to change my life I have to do that I have to do that and then God will accept me that's not the truth grace is grace grace is something where um, he sent Jesus Christ excuse me God the Father sent Jesus Christ the son and he says I want you to come he took us out he told us in scripture that he called us out of this world so that we can serve him later in another world the new world in the millennial reign. We can serve each other now. And he called us by grace. It's not by the law. We can't do it. We can't do that. So if you're here today and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart, that you would come to know Christ as Savior. If you're here today and you are a believer and you are part of the church already, these, these marching orders here are just moral guidelines to live by you're not saved by doing any of those things or not doing any of those things. You are saved by His grace. But this is an this is an idea or a way that we can live according to what He wants us to live. Stephanie, you can come up here and play a background music. We'll pray and then we'll we'll go to get out of here. But um, ha, I'm telling you, be thankful that you attend a church that preaches the truth. Be thankful that you have pastors and elders and elders' wives and and each other to hold each other accountable,
1: just like we saw
0: it in there in, in Scripture. There, um, there was uh, throughout the church. Um, they held each other accountable, and we need to we need to do that. If we see each other uh, stepping outside of what we believe is the will of God, let's hold each other accountable for that. Let's we see uh, we see something that's uh, a darkness in one another in love and in truth. Come alongside and put your arm around and speak edifying words to that believer. Say, let's let's walk through this together. Anyway, let's pray real quick. Um, Lord, there was a whole lot there. Grace is so simple. And the truth is, is that we don't want to get bogged down by rules and regulations don't want to get bogged down by what i did or what i didn't do lord we want to we want to live according um, to your calling we want to be. we want we, we pray lord that the holy spirit would be our guide those of us that are placed our faith in jesus christ that we'd wake up each day and recognize each moment that you've called us that you said, go get him, tiger. I'll give you the power. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I'll give you what it takes to please me. I just go do it. Lord, we need help with that. Because it's this world's a mess. We need your help. We need each other to hold us accountable. We need each other that we can lean upon. Lord, I pray that we would find somebody that we could hold up and encourage Lord, for that person or those people that may be here here is yet to place their faith in Christ. I pray, pray that today would be the day that the Spirit would convict them, that they would respond. I don't even like the word convict. I just pray the Spirit would touch their hearts like it has so many of us in this room. That they'd come to know Christ as Savior today. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And send us out to do your work, your will.